That's better. That's better. Hey, my name's Chase Courtney. I'm the high school pastor here. Super excited to be able to speak to you guys today. It's always an honor and privilege uh, to be able to do this. So thank you guys for being here. For those that are watching online, we miss you being here on campus, but we're super excited that you're tuned in with us. Hey, do me a favor. If you're watching online, I want you to ask a bunch of questions. Pastor Tim is facilitating back there. I want to keep him busy today, keep him on his toes. So ask a bunch of questions. Hey, we are, we have been in this series, God So Loved. Everyone say, God So Loved. God so loved. Pastor Jason has been walking us through this, talking about how God has loved all people. Everyone say all people, right? All people, no matter who you are, no matter what color you are, what race you are. And today I want to really focus in and hone in this idea that God loves all people, no matter what your background is or what your past is, or maybe even where you are presently. Because there's all types of different, there's all types of people in our world, and not everyone is on the same level, right? Not everyone's on the same journey at the same place at the same time. But God calls us to love all people, just as He loves all people. Are y'all with me this morning? Have you ever been in an awkward situation? Maybe you showed up for a dinner party and you were overdressed or underdressed, and all of a sudden you just felt like. I don't, I shouldn't be here, right? Like, I don't fit in here. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in an awkward situation where you feel like this is not the place that I'm supposed to be, right? Because everyone around me looks different, right? Everyone around me is doing something different, and I'm the oddball, right? Speaking of awkward meals, Thanksgiving is this week, right? Yeah, come on, that's good. Thanksgiving's awesome. Has, has anyone ever had an awkward Thanksgiving meal with family? It just like turned awkward because there's always that one family member that's just different, right? And you're like, who invited that guy again, right? I know, I know he's our uncle, but should he really be here this year? Like, there's a lot of different scenarios that we've been in where we just kind of feel like we don't fit in, or maybe there's someone around us that's just kind of the outlier, right? Just someone that's outcasts. It's different. I want us to do a little group activity really quick. Um, so I want you to imagine this is my table. Um, it's a beautiful table. It's ready for food to get on. It's ready to, for us to sit down and eat. And so at my table, I'm going to invite each and every one of you. Now you're, you're invited to this table. So here's just your name card right here. It's just you, right? Just keep it simple. You're invited to this table and because I invited you, I'm also letting you invite your plus one, right? You get to invite someone as well. And so you get to invite the person that you would most like to have dinner with, right? It's the most desirable person in that sense that you desire for them to sit at the table with you. So we're just going to simply call this the desirable, right? The one that you would love to invite to the table. Maybe it's someone famous. Maybe it's a celebrity. Maybe it's someone that you just really admire and would love to have dinner with, right? But here's the kicker. I also get to invite somebody as well. I get to have a plus one, but it's actually going to be for you too, I get to invite the person that you would most hate to have dinner with. So you're already thinking of names in your mind right now. And you're thinking, oh gosh, please no. We're going to call that person the undesirable one. It's the person that you would least like to have dinner with. You don't want them at the table because you know it would be awkward. You know it would just be, it would just be, it would just be bad, right? So four people at the table, you, me, the person that you would most like to have dinner with, and the person you would most 
not like to have dinner with. You just don't want them at the table. And there's an interesting story that happens in Matthew 9 that Jesus is at a dinner party. He gets invited to this dinner and there's all types of people there. That's where it picks up verse 9. As Jesus left Capernaum, he came upon a tax collecting station where a traitorous Jew was busy at his work, collecting taxes for the Romans. His name was Matthew. Come, follow me, Jesus said to him. Immediately, Matthew jumped up and began to follow Jesus. Later, Jesus went to Matthew's home to share a meal with him. Many other tax collectors and outcasts of society were invited. Everyone say, were invited. They were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When those known as the Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant and they kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such lowlifes? When Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and said, healthy people don't need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. Then he added, now you should go and study the meaning of this verse. I love Jesus. He just spells it out real clear. I want you to show mercy, not just offer me a sacrifice. For I have come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners to call those who fail to measure up, not those who think they are already on the right path. It's a powerful moment that we see in Scripture And I just want to encourage you with this message today, and it's simply this, and this is for all people. There's always room at the table. There's room at the table, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from. When Jesus is around, there's always room at the table because he is good. You see, Jesus was invited over for a meal after he calls this guy named Matthew, who is a tax collector. And if you don't know this, I think it might still be representation of today. Tax collectors were not the greatest people, right? They were people that were not really looked at as being, oh, that's my best friend, the tax collector. They were despised. They, they were outliers in that society. They were people that were, they, they were taking advantage of people, right? Many people thought they were thieves. And you've got Matthew who's called by Jesus to follow him, to leave his life and follow this man named Jesus And Matthew invites Jesus over for a meal. And Matthew doesn't know any better. He just invites all his friends, right? He doesn't even think anything about it. He's just like, well, cool. We're going to have a dinner with this man named Jesus, who's the son of God. I'm inviting my friends. Here's the deal. All of Matthew's friends were notorious sinners, were lowlifes, right? Were people that, that didn't really, they weren't respectable in the eyes of society. So Jesus is at this meal and you've got... All the makings of a very interesting dinner. You've got the righteous, you've got the wretched, you've got the, the, the noble, you've got the notorious, you've got all these people that make a meal really awkward in a moment, right? Like at any point, there could be a big fight. There could be this big scrum that happens that it's just all people of all types, all together, one meal. So today we're going to be looking at two vantage points. I want us to look at two perspectives. I want us to look at the undesirable person, the person that was considered the notorious sinner, what they may have been feeling in that moment and what Jesus was trying to portray to them. But I also want us to look at the desirable person, the person in this story that was upstanding, the person that felt like they had everything together and they thought they deserved a seat at the table, right? 
So you got the undesirable person first, the the notorious sinner, the the prostitutes, the the lame, the unclean, the tax collectors, the thieves, the people that society looked at as being like, why are you here? This is Jesus. This guy is holy. He's a rabbi. You don't deserve to sit at this table with this guy, right? You got these people who were looked at in a horrible way. And lifestyles that didn't observe the law of Moses like the other people who were, who were doing all they could to be right in the eyes of the law. Verse 13 says this, For I've come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners to call those who fail to measure up. I think it's safe to say that every single one of us in here have a few things in common. Number one is that we all fail to measure up. Whether you believe it or not, I'm here to tell you that great news. Every single one of us failed to measure up. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. That means every single one of us. But here's the second thing that we have in common is that Jesus always measures up. Come on, is anybody with me today? That's exciting. Like the first part is not so exciting that we don't measure up as people, that we fail, that we have imperfections. But the second part is very exciting is that Jesus always measures up. That's something that we can celebrate and get excited about because he is good. He's good. You see, the love of God breaks every man-made box that we put him in. The love of God has no limitations. The love of God is, is his arm is long enough to reach for you no matter where you are. If you're drowning in sin, guess what? His arm is long enough to grab you and to pull you out of that muck. His arm is long enough. His love is strong enough. He is sufficient for you, no matter where you are. And you may be in this place right now, and you may kind of, you may sit at this seat where you feel like you're unworthy, where you feel like that, that you don't deserve a seat at the table with Jesus, the perfect one, the holy one. You may feel like you don't belong there. But I'm here to tell you today that you belong there because of Jesus. You do. You're not worthy of it. You can't buy your way to the table. You can't pay for a ticket to this table. This table is only given to people by accepting his love. Are you with me this morning? You see, the only limitation on God's love is our rejection of receiving that very love. The only limitation to God's love reaching the world are those people that say, I don't want it. I don't want to receive that. God, I ignore you. I want to reject that love. We have an opportunity, friends, to receive the greatest love ever given and the greatest love that will ever be given. A love that way tops any relationship you could ever have in this world. Your spouse can't meet that love. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends, your best friend. No one can meet the love or top the love that God has for you. No one. You see, I love that Jesus not only invites people to sit at the table with him, but he also heals them and he restores them and he calls them deeper, right? Jesus didn't just say, hey, for the undesirable person, I want you to just come sit at my table and I just want you to look at me and just adore me for a few moments and then I'm gonna send you on your way to go about your life as you were, right? I just want you to see 
I just want you to see all of my goodness for about an hour, and then I'm going to send you back into your lifestyle that is, according to the world, is despicable. You're a sinner. Like, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus invites you to the table and then invites you into a journey that is lifelong. It's, it's for eternity, right? That's the cool thing about Jesus. He's not after just one moment. He wants to live with you. He wants to be within you every single day. Whether you feel unworthy or not, Jesus said, I'm worthy, so that's enough. I'm sufficient, so that's enough. I want to be with you, and I want to heal and restore your life. You see, people saw outcasts, and they saw sinners. They saw the, the despicable people, but Jesus saw sons and daughters of God. Jesus sits at this table in Matthew 9, and he looks across the table to the, to the sinners that are there. And while the religious, they see, they see the people for their lifestyle, Jesus sees the potential. Jesus sees what he came to die for, for sons and daughters. He sees world changers and disciples. Jesus sees himself in them. I don't know if you know this, but in, in Genesis, the Bible says that, that God wanted to make man and woman, woman in his image and likeness. That's what it says. That's Bible. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so when Jesus sees you, you know what he sees? He sees himself in you. He sees the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He sees himself in you. He doesn't see your issues. He doesn't see your unworthiness. He sees the sacrifice and love of the father within you. And that makes us enough for him. But we have to accept that great love. We have to receive that. He invites you to the table, friends, and you can't earn your way to the table. You can't buy your ticket. You just have to accept the love. So you got the undesirable, and then you've got the desirable. You've got the, the upstanding citizen. You've got the, the, the religious leaders of that day were, were looked at as being like the top tier, right? Like they were the people they had it all together from the outside looking at it, like they just looked like they had everything going for them, right? They felt like they deserved a seat at that table. They didn't even have to be asked to come. They're going to show up because they want to know what Jesus is up to, right? They want to control the environment because they feel like they own that place. They feel like they own this table and they want to make sure that Jesus doesn't go out of line. They felt put together. They felt better than everyone else. They, in fact, tried to keep the law of Moses, which was 613 laws. How many of you, like, you got one rule given to you when you were younger and you're, you just broke it all the time? It's like, you, your parents are like, you just have to do this one thing. Just don't do this one thing. And you break it within five minutes, right? It's like Adam and Eve. You have access to everything. This whole world is your dominion, except that one tree. Just don't go near it. What is the first thing you do? You go near it, right? 613 laws that these religious leaders were trying to keep. Now, obviously, they couldn't actually keep those, but they gave the appearance of keeping them. They gave the appearance that they were perfect, that they were good to go. And I love that Isaiah, a prophet that lived 700 years before Jesus came into the earth as a human being, 
700 years, Isaiah prophesies over and over about this Messiah that's going to make his way to the earth. And he's going to stretch out his arms as a sacrifice for the outcasts, for all people, right? Not just the ones that seem right. Not just the ones that are on the right path that make themselves look good. Not just the ones that feel like they have a seat at the table. No, Jesus was going to stretch out his arms for all people, for the outcasts of society, for the notorious sinners, the ones that would say yes to him and accept that love. You see, Jesus showed up to the earth and the religious leaders didn't know how to handle him. They didn't know what to do with this guy who was calling himself the son of God. They didn't know what to do because the religious leaders had this, had this box. They had this mold of what the Messiah was going to look like. They had this idea of what this man was going to look like once he actually came to the earth to save people, right? And Jesus broke every man-made box, every man-made limitation by the way that he loved people. Come on, are y'all with me this morning? By the way that he loved people, Jesus broke the mold. And here's the deal. Oftentimes when Jesus shows up into the room and the spirit begins to move, the religious spirit will rise up and show its ugly colors, right? The, the religious who, who feel like they're good in their own eyes, that they've got it in their own strength, that they're trying to do everything to keep the law. Oftentimes when Jesus shows up, they get messed up because they don't know how to handle it. And I find it very interesting that in this passage that Jesus was scolded by these religious leaders for sitting and dining with the notorious sinners, yet who was also present? The religious leaders. The religious leaders are obviously present and near the table or at the table because Jesus hears them complaining to his disciples about who is here. You see, the religious spirit, the religious people want to have a seat at the table, but oftentimes when they sit at the table, they start talking about the other people at the table and start complaining about them. All of a sudden, oh, I got a seat at the table. I'm good to go. But they look over and see, why are they here? Who said that they should be here? They don't deserve to be here. They're, they're broken. They, excuse me, why are you here? I know your lifestyle. I know how you are outside of this place, right? And so often we get this spirit and, I, and I, I'm speaking to myself. And when I was writing this and allowing the spirit to speak to me, I was convicted of how many times, Chase, have you thought you were in the right seat and you were invited to the table and you've judged other people that tried to get to the table because you thought that you were better than them because you compared your walk with God to their walk. Anytime... Jesus comes and moves, the religious spirit will try to fight it because they're all about just looking right and not relationship. Jesus is all about relationship. See, the religious leaders wanted to control the setting that evening. They wanted to make sure that everything was good. They wanted to make sure that everyone looked the part, acted the part, but I'm here to tell you today that Jesus' compassion was much greater than their control. Jesus' love and extravagant compassion towards those sinners was so much greater in that moment. And Jesus just wanted to sit with them. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I was interning at a church as just a youth leader. 
And when I started interning there, God was really beginning to move. He was, God was doing some things within our student ministry. And there was about 60 students that um, were there the, like at the beginning of the year when I started just as a youth leader and our youth pastor really started just pushing the envelope and saying, we're going to go after the spirit. And God started moving and the spirit was moving in huge ways in our church. And within a year, our, our youth group went from about 60 to 200 students, 250 students and kids were getting saved every week. Like people were being freed from, from addictions. They were bringing their friends. And what happened is over that year, we started seeing that there were a lot of different people a lot of different type of students that started coming to, to our youth group. We were so used to having all the religious kids. We were so used to being so, it was just all the church kids that were coming, the ones that knew how to act, even though they didn't live it out from the outside, they looked like they were good to go, right? They looked righteous. They, they raised their hands during worship, but we weren't growing. We weren't seeing kids get saved. No one was bringing their friends. And all of a sudden the spirit starts moving and all these kids come out of nowhere, and let's just say they're kids that didn't, they had never been in a church. They don't know how to act. They didn't really seem very Christ-like. The way they were talking, the way they were acting, some of the drugs that they had on them, right? Like there was, there was a lot of kids that came on a Wednesday night. And I remember as, a, as an intern, I started, I got to hear some of the inner conversations and the planning and I started hearing rumblings within our church of elders and, and even just youth leaders that, that were, well, they were upset. How could this happen? We know the Spirit's moving, but we can't have these kind of kids in our youth group, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to disrupt everything. We're going to make everyone else, all the religious kids, feel uncomfortable, right? Like, I remember hearing these conversations, and deep within me, I'm just an intern, so I can't really speak, right? I'm just going, oh, God. Don't we want them here? Like, why would we send them out? Like, this is the very place that God can move and touch their lives. Like, if we really believe the Spirit is at, is at work, if we really have set the table and Jesus is here and moving, then why would we push the undesirable kids away? We want them here. Because that's where the change and transformation is going to happen. We want them here. But that religious spirit, when it loses control... It always begins to fight back. But I'm telling you, God's grace and God's goodness is bigger than that. Over 40 times recorded in the Gospels, we see that Jesus goes up to people that were considered unclean, that were considered impure. Literally, Jesus walks up to a leper, someone with a skin disease that literally could not get within a certain distance of every other person. And if he was going to walk down the street, he had to go, unclean, I'm unclean. He had, to, he had to literally call himself out and his dysfunction so that he wouldn't get near anyone. And Jesus walks right up to this guy and puts his hands on his face and brings healing. That's the type of love that Jesus has, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are presently in your walk with God, whether that is awesome or it's lacking. God is here and God is moving in the hearts of people. He wants you. He moves throughout the Gospels, but guess what? God's still moving. Jesus is still moving and bringing compassion, and he uses you and I. Come on, are you with me? God wants to use you and I to bring compassion and love to those around us. He wants to use you. 
Ephesians 5 says this, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your father as beloved sons and daughters and continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. Be imitators of God in everything that you do. So that means be imitators of God. So what did God do? He loved He loved and had compassion where it didn't seem right. It seemed excessive. It may have seemed inappropriate to the Pharisees that day, but Jesus loved regardless. So guess what? We get to represent him. We get to be imitators of that compassion. We get to be imitators of that love in our society. How are we doing with that church? How are we loving people that aren't like us? How are we loving people that... Maybe don't have lifestyles like us. They don't look like us. How are we loving them? I love that Jesus is just so blunt and he just says what he wants to say. And it's truth. Verse 12. Now you should go and study the meaning of the verse. I want you to show mercy, not offer me a sacrifice. This was Jesus's response to the Pharisees, these religious teachers that were judging and comparing themselves and and asking why why these people had a seat at the table. Why are they here? And complaining. And Jesus says, I want you to study the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not just offer me a sacrifice. And that verse comes from the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament, where Hosea says that God is not interested in our religion. He's not interested in our rules and regulations. He's not interested in us looking good on the outside, but having a heart that is far from him. He wants you to show mercy. He's calling us to show compassion and kindness to the people around us, not just say, God, I'm just going to follow these rules. No, he wants you to listen to the voice of the spirit. The voice, the the, the spirit is active and living among us. And if we have ears to hear, we will be able to hear the spirit and obey what he calls us to do. He wants us to show mercy and not just give sacrifices. You see, the religious leaders that evening missed a great opportunity to build up the outcasts of society, to use their resources to say, I see you and I love you and I want to build you up. Just like Jesus has invited them to the table. The religious leaders had an opportunity to build up people that needed God's love and they missed it. Luke 6, 36 says, show mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. What's the last two words of that sentence? For all. Last time I checked, all means all. When when Jesus says, show mercy and compassion for all, just as I have, it, it means all people. It means even the people that you're uncomfortable around. It means even the people that don't dress like you. It means the people that don't vote like you. It means the people that don't hold the same values or policies that you do. God calls you to love them regardless. It means the people that that don't live in the type of house that you do or have the same type of bank account that you do. It means love for all people because God has poured out his extravagant love for all people of all backgrounds, of all past and all present. 
That's who he calls you to be. If we want to see true revival in our nation, that's where it starts. It starts by you waking up every single day and not praying just for a certain president. it's, It's by you waking up every single day and saying, Jesus within me is the answer for our nation. Can we just be real? That Jesus within me is the answer for our nation. Not a political party. Jesus within me is the answer for our nation to see revival. And it starts by you getting up and saying, I'm going to put my feet to the ground and I'm going to start loving people well. I'm going to start showing compassion to the ones that don't feel like they deserve a seat at the table. But God says they deserve a seat at the table just as much as the people that are put together. Because his love has done it for us. His love is good. Fair warning for you guys. When you start living a life that is so full of compassion and mercy, people will say you're excessive. They'll say and it's inappropriate. They'll get upset because it makes them uncomfortable. But I've always said this quote to myself just to remember, just to remind myself, and it's really simple. It's this, don't ever let people doing nothing keep you from doing something. Too often people that just look the part and look right, but are actually doing nothing in this world, are actually doing nothing except for their own good. They're not reaching out or loving people. So often they talk people out of doing something good. Because it's too excessive. It's too inappropriate. Why are you hanging out with those people? Because they need to know Jesus too. They need the love of the Father. Here's my favorite part of Jesus inviting us to the table. Is that I'm, I've had glimpses and moments in, G, in God's presence that have wrecked my life. It's the reason that I'm here. I could have done so many other things. But Jesus has me here because I remember when I was 17 years old and he invited me to the table. And I sat at the table and for the first time I looked over and I saw the eyes of a father that loves me. For the first time I looked over and saw the eyes of a father that is passionately pursuing me. I was changed. I was transformed. I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus. I had certain addictions that completely left me in an instant and I never had a craving for those things again. Because I saw the eyes of my father pursuing me. And come on, no matter who you are, whether you you find yourself feeling upright and you're living right, but maybe you're lacking compassion or maybe you feel unworthy today and you feel like you don't belong here. Both parties have a seat at the table and both parties can look into the eyes of a loving father and be transformed forever. How are we showing compassion? I think there's some practical ways that you and I can show compassion to people. Let us hear their stories. I think too often we're just so busy, we don't want to hear anybody's story. And if they they seem like, it's just going to be too much time, it's going to be inconvenient, hear their story. Get to know people. Know their hurts, feel a need, find your resources that you have that God's been, that God has given you and use your resources to meet a need. 
Come on, start right here in our community. We can do that. And something really practical, I love Thanksgiving. This week, this Thursday, all of you, many of you are gonna have a big table set up. Hopefully less than 10 people though. Probably shouldn't have said that. You're gonna have a table set up. You can invite someone that doesn't have a place. Why don't you reach out to somebody in your life or, I don't know, maybe I'm just praying that God gives you a divine encounter over the next four days that you're going to meet somebody that needs a home on Thursday, that needs a table to sit at, and that you are going to be right there ready and willing to say, I've got, a, I've got room. I've got a seat at the table because I want to show you the goodness of my God. I want to show you the goodness of my Father. Hear people's story, get to know them, fill a need. As I invite Pastor Danny to come forward as our response time, I do wanna, wanna say there's a lot of um, partners, um, a lot of people, ministries that we partner with here at 1910. And if you walked in this way, you saw all the tables out there. And Danny, I want you to just give us an idea of where we, how we can respond and be the hands and feet of Christ in these areas. That's good, thank you, Pastor Chase, such a good, challenging word um, for us today. Um, we do, we partner with, um, on a monthly basis, about 12 or 13 local and international ministries. And they're ministries that we believe are, are creating tables for people to be at uh, around the world. And we love them. We believe that God is doing something right in the middle, that they are listening and have the, the they are listening to the voice of the Father and they're doing and actively engaged with the work that He's called them to. And we say we want we want to help. We want to put wind in your sails of whatever it is that God is doing in that ministry. And you'll see a lot of those guys out here uh, on the front patio. So do this for me. A couple things. Um, if you normally walk out these doors and hook a left and like NASCAR it out of here, I'm gonna ask you just just this week all right go right turn right all right go out the doors and spend some time on the patio and here's how I want you to decide where you can go visit everybody they'd love to see all of you guys but uh, in your seat you've got a little token well everybody get that put it in your hand everybody hold that for me for a second and this is going to be part of our response time if you're watching online if you're I, I would love nothing more than tomorrow to respond to every single email that gets sent to me because of how you respond and what comes next. I'd love to spend a full day getting to answer questions and forwarding emails to our partners here. But I'm gonna read off our, our list of partners that are here today. And as I do that, if there's something within you that stirs, if you get a little bit like, ooh, I, I, I wanna know more, if you get excited, or if there's something that you just are more, that there's, you're just intrigued by, I just want you to make a commitment to turn right and go visit them out at the table, okay? If you're online, info at 1910church.com. It'll get to me, info at 1910church.com. So we have two partners that are not here this morning, Salt Block Ministries uh, and Pastor Bubba Stahl, who uh, is geared towards international evangelism and pastor training. They do a lot of... Uh, Pastor Bubba writes Bible studies and they're working on translating those into other languages to get them out to pastors in other countries. Christian Unity Ministries, who seeks biblical unity through conflict resolution, 
training and equipping of the local church. And here's who's out here. These are our, our local partners, Bernie Young Life. My friend Josh Bradshaw uh, is over here. Josh, we love the work that God's doing in and through you. Bernie Young Life is earning the right to be heard and share Jesus with middle school and high school students, our, our friends with special needs and with teen moms. They're doing a great work in this area, taking it to the streets. My friend Kenny is, uh, and his team are meeting basic needs of the homeless in the San Antonio area. Hill Country Daily Bread. By the way, you guys are amazing. Over the last two weeks, you have brought uh, chicken broth. You've grabbed uh, presents for, for families in this community. Can I thank you guys so much for your faithfulness? Those several weeks went towards Daily Bread. Hill Country Daily Bread is a resource to transform those who are impacted by poverty, oftentimes generational poverty. Hill Country Pregnancy Care Center. They are so focused on loving people and providing dignity in some of the most vulnerable moments. And their heart is huge. They resource young families. Hill Country Family Services this is one of our newer partners, but they are doing an incredible work. Stacy's out front who are helping families survive a crisis so they are empowered to thrive. Hill Country Family Services is busy right now helping families in this community survive this crisis that we're walking through. A newer ministry to us that sparked out of a life group here in Dwight Helton and his life group, weekly prayer and ministry in Kendall County Jail. So good. Internationally, here's what, um, here's what you'll see out front. ICEJ, our friend John Vetter um, is all the way from Alabama. He flew in just for this morning, just to hang out with us today. It's so good, John. ICEJ, uh, they're showing love, showing Christian love and support for Jewish people, meeting people right where they are. They take educational trips. Some of our trips to Israel are partnered with ICEJ. uh, And they also are providing trauma support in Israel and in the Middle East. Go and tell our friend Greg Lewis. You can't wipe the smile off of that guy's face. He's after international evangelism, pastor training, and he'll take small groups of short-term mission trips. This year, he's focused in Uganda and Nepal. Hope Chest International. We take multiple groups um, every year down to Tecpan, Guatemala. The hope is international community to, to community connection. We take short-term trips and there's a child, a monthly child sponsorship program. We've got about 33 kids that need a prayer partner who get to go to school and have some basic needs met because some of our families say, we want to love on you and support you out of, with financial means. Child Legacy International. Holistic transformation by providing opportunities that break generational cycle of poverty and despair in Malawi and Zimbabwe. We're also looking to take short-term mission trips with, uh, with Child Legacy. And then lastly, Word Ministries. Bruce and Cheryl Baker will be out there. And Word Ministries provides new covenant Bible translations for a Jewish audience and free Bible distribution in Israel. 
Guys, these are partners that, that because of your faithful giving that we get to support on a monthly basis. And that is awesome. We love that and are so thankful for that. But we believe that as we mobilize ourselves, as we move into places where we pray and go and give, that we can do more. So that's the ask this morning. Would you take this and then they're gonna either initial it or stamp it or sign it. And this is just a reminder for you to pray for our, our partners that are literally around the world, extending the table so that Jesus can be seen. Thank you guys, Pastor Chase. That's awesome. Hey, can we give it up for Pastor Danny, who's done an incredible job with our missions, our missions movement here. Um, would you stand with me? And as the prayer team comes forward, we wanna let you know that as always, we wanna partner together with you um, in the battle that you may be facing right now in your life, we want to pray with you. And we've got a lot of uh, team members that will be down here and, um, and they're filled up and they're ready to go and ready to pray and fight with you on your behalf. And the Lord is with us. And I just want to pray as we go. And I'd love for you just to extend your hands out and just receive, just receive that extravagant love of the Father right now. We're going to pray for courage to go out this week and show compassion and kindness to all people. So God, we receive your love. God, thank you for extending the invite to us. God, that you are sitting at the table and you're waiting for us to take a seat right next to you. Your sacrifice, God, was good. God, your love is sufficient and it's extravagant. And so Lord, I pray for every individual in this room and every individual watching online, God, would they know that they are invited to the table of God, that they are invited because of your love, that you set the stage, God, and that we didn't have to earn it, we didn't have to buy our way to it. God, you just invited us because you're good. And Lord, I pray that every individual would receive that love today. And God, I pray that this week that we would be bold and courageous, God, that we be obedient, God, to walk in compassion, to walk in this extravagant kindness to all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter where they are right now in their journey. God, we love you. And we're looking forward to an incredible week of advancing your kingdom. Come on, we celebrate because your kingdom is gonna be advanced this week as you move in and through your people. Father, we love you and we give you praise and honor today. And everyone said, amen, amen.